0: We're the uh, Portland Timbers. We're here uh, to talk about soccer, beer, and pretty much whatever else comes to mind. So, how you doing, buddy?
1: Doing good, how about you? I'm
0: well. So, we are here uh, out and about, hanging out at Main Brew off of Highway 26. I just rolled in hot from Bend. Literally, uh, <laughs> wheels are screaming, grabbed the gear, and here we are. So, the little zwickle, which we'll talk about. We talked uh, with the head brewer of Boneyard yesterday. Spent about uh, half the day with him uh, talking beer and how to brew and that type of stuff. So, cool. um, brought a limited edition beer from Sun River Brewing, which I'm not quite sure is just like a bad beer. They tagged as limited edition uh, and then sold for zwickle. So, because it was only five bucks for a four pack. So, but, uh, wow. yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing it's, uh, Zwickle a special yeah.
2: We'll have but
3: to here's... talk to Ryan about that. Yes.
2: Yeah <laughs> M- Main Brewer alumni is now a Sun River brewer so, Is he? Yes. Nice. So we can get the inside scoop you get the, Very yeah. nice <laughs> They were blowing it out And he's like, we've
0: only got a few cases left And so I was a sucker and bought two, uh, but we've got one At that so price, what's the risk? Five bucks Exactly Five bucks for four all right, well, let's uh, let's talk with the guys from Main Brew. I'll let you guys introduce yourself, and then uh, we'll jump into it. So we're sitting here drinking some beers. How about it, gentlemen?
2: Um, Who are you? My name's John. I'm a manager here at Main Brew. I've been with the company since just about 2009, so quite some time. Started out very part-time, and then eventually this thing turned into a real job. So <laughs> here I stay. <laughs>
3: I'm Steven. I'm the other manager. I started in September 2014 and went all in to go. So. Sweet. Well,
0: thanks for having awesome. us, guys. I know we've been trying to do this for a couple weeks here. Yes. Uh, dark art's gotten our way, I'll tell you that. No so. We figured
2: you guys would be a little banged up, yeah. so I'll give you the week off. Yeah.
0: Little's an understated word there
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks for making the trip out west Yeah, absolutely
0: So um, I grew up in this area Actually, I worked for a business right here for about 20 years And uh, we'd come in here for lunch after you guys started doing your thing And I'm like, man, this is the place So, But this year we decided to focus on homebrewing shops um, With the idea that a lot of the homebrewing shops are not thriving So it's kind of a tough market for homebrewing shops Um, But you guys appear to be thriving. Anytime we need a particular set of grain, or (laughs) we need yeast, or something that our homebrew shop's out of, this is where we come, flat out, because we know you guys have it, so.
2: Try to be accommodating. Yeah,
0: (laughs) so with that, let's talk a little bit about the early days of main brew, okay? So you guys originally were over in downtown Hillsboro, Old Town Hillsboro.
2: Downtown, the first store, 91, Kevin. Not even on Main Street, it was back in the breeze it in the Back in the breezeway. Yep. Teeny-tiny, no tables, no displays, saw horses, plywood, product on top of it. Sweet. And then a few years later, he moved finally up to Main Street, became <laughs> officially on Main Street, and then was there for years, and then when did we come up here, like... 2000? 11 years ago. 2009? Yeah. Into 2009, right after Christmas. Moved nice. up here to this luxurious warehouse space so.
3: absolutely and then about and then six years ago we opened up uh, ABV <laughs> our attached restaurant
0: right that's always packed which they're, is kind of cool because yeah.
1: you guys are kind of unique in that aspect when you look at brew shops as you're a brew shop that's got a nice little tap house right next door
3: 33 taps 800 plus bottles of beer and cider and some na stuff and uh, yeah pub, pub plus food you like to call it <laughs>
0: Yeah, if I need a bottle of something, I'm coming here, right? <laughs> sure. I either go to John's, I start at John's, yes. and then I work my way over here because I'm like, one of the two is going to have something. So yes, yes. My clown shoes jalapeno beer or whatever it was <laughs> that I am looking through. So. I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, <it's>, you didn't. <laughs> I haven't been right since. So I'm taking pro- probiotics still. So. All right. Good. So, uh, you, big transition. So. Um, how is the business going for you guys right now? So, we talk to and we deal with different homebrew shops from around the area. We hear stories where business gets really, really slow in the fall/slash winter. Others are saying, no, business is just fine. Um, I have a personal belief that business has just changed, right? I think the customer has a different idea of what they expect from their homebrew shop. Um, but I'm interested to hear from you guys how things are going here.
3: So uh, for us, the fall and winter are actually, or the fall and the winter are actually are uh, more busy times. Uh, right now, I would say post the, the holiday season is definitely when things tend to slow down quite a bit. Um, but with our business model, uh, we don't do only kegs or on, only homebrew supplies. We also do like the kegs to go for uh, home kegerators and weddings and events and stuff like that. So we try to diversify as much as possible um being i think just a homebrew shop is difficult in this day and age especially with online retailers um you know hedging more and more of the market uh the only thing the one thing that we have going for us is customer service so we just strive to be the best at that
0: yeah it's interesting so a lot of the homebrew shops that i mentioned earlier have kind of jumped into something else right so there's the whole model of we're a homebrew shop and we're going to sell things that are complementary to that business. So it's cheese making, wine making, different things like that. There's others that have jumped in and said, hey, look, we're going to open a tap house side by side right. or we're going to open a restaurant like you guys have that complements the business as well. Um, there's others that have done something totally different where, again, they're focused on Um, online sales and so they have a huge dock presence where stuff's just being shipped out constantly and a very small walk-in area I walk in and you guys have a warehouse right so it looks like you can do online but you can also do a lot of walk-in stuff I can find whatever I want here what is the target for you guys how's your online business what is that balance
2: their online businesses Maybe a little slacking over the years, Go. but we probably need to update our website. But besides that, um, we still do a good online business, um, but the walk-in people, the face-to-face connection, right. the, yeah, you know, I can order this on Amazon, but, like, how do I use it? Right? How, how do I right, do this, right. how do I do that? So, that's really what we do, I mean, you spend guy comes in for a five-gallon recipe of extract pilsner, you spend 45 minutes with him talking about it. Right. That's the best part about it. How do
0: I make this the best pilsner ever as a first- or second-time brewer, right? Exactly.
2: I don't have to get on homebrewtalk.com and read 100 differing opinions. I can just come ask this guy, and he's my guy. And if I'm wrong, maybe they don't come back. But people (laughs) seem to come back.
0: (laughs) And that's what we like about it is there's definitely a feel where when you second you walk in the door, people are asking, hey, how can we help you?" And checking in with you, sure. and looking at a recipe, and helping out with equipment, but not in a pushy style. So, no. um, others have focused on, like what you guys talked about with keg sales or uh, things like that to do a wedding party. I know, like Steinbarts really is known for their tap lines, right? And really getting in to do that tap line type stuff. Um, so everybody's kind of got their niche oh, in boy. order to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, But the homebrew shops that we or at least I remember when I was young with my grandfather, is that um, very little of what is actually sold here. uh, There's very few shops just selling homebrew stuff. You got to do other stuff to stay in the business. So it's it's tough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So and then Northern Brewer, which is the big one, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, ABM Bev supported Mm -hmm. Uh, in theory, no longer supported by ABM Bev. Right? Is what we hear. Yeah. 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 Uh, supposedly there's a group of shareholders that own this thing now, but you can't tell me that it's not somehow related. How has stuff like that impacted your guys' business? So we talked about online sales and people ordering stuff from Amazon, but certainly there's a segment of traffic that's shopping and looking at places like that. Have you seen a drop off on business because of that?
3: Hmm. I don't know if it is because of that. Um... Kevin, our owner, always likes to say that when the economy's doing well, homebrew shop stuff dwindles. Right, totally. Because everyone has the money to go out and buy their, buy pints, and honestly, right now, we're, we're like, in an explosion of, uh, really good craft beer. Right. So why would I spend six hours making pretty good beer when I can go out and buy a pint of really good beer? Um... So, I don't know. Maybe we need another recession, I guess. Yeah. And, uh... Fingers crossed. No, I think you're, <laughs> I think think you're dead on. Like, <laughs> yeah. flat out dead on. Because
0: we've talked about, about with all these breweries shutting down, is that there's so much competition. I can go to my neighborhood brew pub or tap house and have a fantastic pint. Why am I going to homebrew, right? I know why I homebrew. That's totally a different reason. I'm not there to make a RPM. I'm messing around with saffron, trying to make this awesome saffron lager that's gonna be bright golden orange that Gary's gonna puke on. <laughs> um, but but not everybody's like that. Um, we have two friends that we bought Mr. Beer Kits, it's kind of an intro, funny, let go make your first beer type thing. And it didn't stick. I mean, And we sat and brewed with them and they've brewed with us on regular brew stuff yeah. because time is too important to them. They don't wanna spend that time. Right. So it's interesting to be a owner of a homebrew shop and kind of kind of go up and down through that cycle but I think you're dead on in that there's just a ton of good beer and time is precious right now so people are trading out that money for time so good well so let's talk about the restaurant evolution and the tap house revolution so how does that how does that act as an additive type thing for the business?
2: Um, you get a lot of people who just visit both the same day so you get Customers at both places. My, you know one of my favorite customers comes in, hands us a recipe, goes next door, comes back in an hour, right. waiting for him. He leaves, so it's mm. you get them coming and going. So. You get a bunch of guys yeah. that are
0: like, "This is what I would do." I'd be like, "Dude, I just had this awesome abyss. I want to do a clone." We get a, we abyss. get a lot yeah. of that. I just had number thirteen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> How do I make that? And then I'm like. Great. Well, let me go get a sample, and then we'll taste that, and
3: then we'll work through it, and we'll
2: come up with it's a... The clone traffic, right? A clone, yes, totally. So, we get,
3: get do-alright most of the time.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can get it close enough, especially for a guy that's making it on his own. Right. The controls are off anyway, so he's never going to get truly close. But
2: it's so easy, though. You just go on at the brewery's website, and it's like, hey, this right. is what we use, and it's like, hey huh. Ratchet that down. We got our yeah. ABV, we got our IBU, we got our SRM. This is what we use. It's like totally. a piece of cake.
0: Yep. <laughs> so wine sales are huge, I'm sure. I mean, it looks like a lot of people. I know Sharon, as far as wine making stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Sharon over at ABV, or not ABV, Above uh, the Rest, above the rest, above the rest. Uh, yeah. talks about a lot of the wine making equipment is really what drives her during the fall. Mm-hmm. And because her homebrew stuff drops off for her down mm-hmm. there. Um, Do you guys have... I see wine presses. Mm -hmm. I see that type of stuff. Do you see an uptick with that? During harvest, for sure. During harvest season. So,
3: um, starting late spring, early summer, you start to get the fruit wine people. So, they have like an Um, over. They say, oh, my plum tree this year is going to have... I've made too much jam, you know, like, well, the the branches are breaking. I need to do something with all this fruit. (laughs) I I can help you turn that fruit into alcohol. (laughs) So we get a lot of people doing that. And then when the actual grape harvest comes around, you know, we'll uh, start people up on. um, We have a couple customers who every year I would say they they buy three to four carboys and I think their entire house is just carboys. They've gotten rid of all their furniture. <laughs> the, basement, the basement is just carboys. They've gotten yes. rid of all their furniture. They just put cardboard on top of it, and they just sit on it as a couch. And they have carboys of wine going years and years back. When nice. is enough enough? You, yes. that? you make yes. that
0: sound so bad, but it sounds so wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad.
3: You, you should uh, see my cool. garage.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. I've had a lot of glass carboys break. That's why I switched to stainless because of that. So, yeah. uh, Dandelion wine. That's a oh, perfect yeah. spring beer, right? All yeah, those absolutely. darn dandelions mm-hmm. pop up. So, yes. um, so let's talk about a little bit about the impact of like bottle shares, uh, some of the homebrew clubs that are out there, some of the competitions. I know you guys are a drop-off mm-hmm. site for like the mm-hmm. state fair, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, what? How does that affect the business? That obviously draws people in. Mm-hmm. But do you partner with brew clubs? Do you are you part of brew clubs? How does that work?
3: We aren't really. I, I, so I pay dues to Oregon Brew Crew, um, right. but as far as the business being a part of that, um, like they do their club meetings at Steinbarts, I believe, right. and then they do it at you know, they do some offsite locations. Uh, being out here, you know, 20 minutes outside of Portland, we don't get a lot of that traffic. Hmm. Um, We, honestly, we love supporting competitions. We love being drop-off points, and we will, you know, if people contact us and let us know like, hey, we're gonna be a drop-off point, would you mind being part of a competition, donating something to the to the winners, like we absolutely, always, and we You're always donate
2: something cool, right. not something we can't sell. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So, so, right, uh, so we got. Uh, <laughs> it's
3: a big difference, here, yeah, right? Big difference. Yeah. Right now, we're a it's... drop-off point for the Shebrew competition. A Shebrew, and, oh, she-Brew. Um, Good. yeah. So our award that we're giving them is a uh, it's a nine-gallon uh, corny keg. So oh, nice. someone yeah. from that competition is going to go home
2: with a bunch of other little things. That's nine awesome. Nine 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 nine. Nine. Yeah. a Decent prize right there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. So the Aloha, I know the Aloha Brew Club. There's a bunch of smaller brew clubs. I'm not sure how active some of those guys are, but Oregon Brew Crew is obviously the one people know, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's the one. But I've always wondered about brew brew clubs that are active in a cluster, right? So you've got three or four brew clubs. Um, certainly have to help support a brew shop right and to me they kind of go together and when you lose out on some of these active brew clubs um, the homebrew shops are gonna suffer a little bit because where are they gonna go Um, and so I look in the Tigard area and there there's no that's where we're at there's no active brew clubs there so my hypothesis is that they need to, We need to create that culture within that city or those Tualatin, Tigard, Lake Oswego to draw people into a brew shop. Um, but I also think that then that helps the cluster of tap houses as well, and helps the breweries and everybody else because it gets people involved. So, um, so. What about competitions? So have you guys entered competitions?
2: I have. Yeah? I a lot of medals. Are we
0: talking medals?
2: Um, I've never gotten a medal, but the only one I ever really entered was the uh, the big one. State the, fair? The NHC. Oh, NHC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I lived in New Mexico, I'd always mail them in. My four entries, and I never won anything. This was
0: my drop off site for my Into the Abyss clone. My Abyss clone as I dropped it off last year for the state fair very very constructive feedback <laughs>
2: mm. very. lots of feedback feedback now. is interesting <laughs> yes yeah one and guy likes it. contradictory the
0: other yes. two mm-hmm. not so much but had different reasons why they didn't like it right
3: so. I, I entered the fall classic the last time i did was probably three or four years ago but up to that point um five years in a row between my dad and myself we had won gold in the fresh Ooh. shop category really yeah. wow nice.
2: bonus yeah. multiple years wow fantastic
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, so something new for homebrewers. Let's talk about the homebrew scene. Yeah, right. There's all sorts of gadgets. We've interviewed Tilt, the guys mm. that have the uh, hydrometer that looks like a pill, t- pill case that sits in there and you can do internal measurements that way. Have you heard of Tilt? I have. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking <laughs> and pretty cool guys. It literally is a Wii remote. They took the in of a Wii remote for their prototype and put it into a pill capsule, and it measures specific gravity as well as temperature yeah. inside. So those guys are pretty cool. Um, but there's a bunch of cool stuff out there. What is new and upcoming that's cool and trendy that you guys like?
3: What do we like?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I told you this was coming.
3: <laughs> I went. Uh, so I I moved two and a half years ago at this point from like a pretty big house to a two bedroom apartment so I had a downsized I had a really nice like three tier system that I got from my father uh, I had to give back to him but uh anyway I went for <laughs> I went to a uh all in one electric brew kettle oh yeah so it's one of the five gallon uh uh
0: Grainfather robo brews. robo
3: brew yeah. yeah. no. robo forage yeah, so yeah it uh, goes by many names so yes yeah so it's a uh, mash tun, boil ke- electric boil kettle uh pump chiller uh great price for all of that and as far as like footprint in your apartment totally or even like if you're in a house it's really good
1: and and you're doing fermentation in that vessel as well correct no fermentation is
3: separate from that so yeah you do your mash and boil and then you transfer from that through the chiller into your fermenter and then you ferment that and if you got a I have a deep freezer that I... Gotcha.
0: Yeah, so it's essentially it's a brew-in-the-bag ba- si- yes. brew system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, with no bag. But no bag. It's a yep. big stainless steel yes. colander. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, that's one of the biggest things that's hit over the last couple of years mm-hmm. are those... What we would call from, I remember my church days long ago when I was young, the big, huge coffee pots, right? The percolators. Yeah, oh, yeah. But that's essentially what it is, yeah. but with a big, deep yeah, strainer modified inside. modified it out. Right? And
3: if your beer turns out poorly, you can buy the Alembic dome top and a pot still on. <laughs> Just and still and, it out, uh, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... If you
2: you live in New Zealand or have the proper permitting in the United States. (laughs) However,
3: in Maine Brew, we only recommend that you do essential oils
2: and water. (laughs) And water, yes.
0: But they do have the still option, which I agree, which I find fantastic. What else? So something new on your shelves that you guys are seeing just fly off. So... I like the
2: new wave of the temperature controllers. Yeah. So, like, the Inkbirds, those are yeah. super nice. I got the old rancos, and the old analog ones with the dial and that weird copper probe. And these new ones are, like a third of the price they work way better they're fantastic and then you see the brew jacket now you just yeah put it in your fermenter you don't even need a space we so. were
0: early adopters of brew jackets when yes. we had that and uh, pretty sweet and it started off with just the cold side mm-hmm. and then it went cold hot and I'm like dude, this thing is awesome so yeah. no fridge just, just put it on your fermenter you're done. That was a Kickstarter campaign. That's how that started yeah. out. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Some guy with a dream said, "Let's do it." So you guys sell the those immersion uh, pros here?
2: Uh, we don't have any stock at the moment, but we can order them in for you. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Good. Well, you heard it here. Stop by Main Brew, and they can order them in. And for usually you. a day or two. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, styles of beer that you guys are digging lately? So hazies are still there. Present. Uh, everybody's talking about Pilsner's these days and Pilsner's kind of being the next thing and are having this revival. What's going on? What are you guys digging?
3: I had. Uh, so I don't typically buy like four packs of beers. I'll buy like a beer and then if it's really good, then I'll buy the four pack. Right. I uh, had a, an Italian Pils called Agostini from Von Ebert that was really good oh, the other yeah. day. Mm. Had this really unique, uh, like, lime characteristic that was really good. Oh, huh.
0: I just had a collab with Von Ebert and Sun River Brewing yesterday mm-hmm. at the brewery, which is...
3: Procti- prospectivus. Yeah, Prospectivus. It <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. I went, I went out to Lombard House the other day. Not to be confused with Lombard Pub, two different places. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went there the other day, went for their release.
0: Yeah, this yeah. whole collab thing is, uh, it's been going on for a while, but it's lately picking up steam and... Mm-hmm all sorts of different people collabing out there so and i know you guys are kind of in the middle of it with your tap house out here you get a lot of the collabs
3: and we also do some collabs Mm -hmm. with breweries we'll go off
0: site every Mm -hmm. now and again
2: we We bring the uh at least the hops and they have everything sometimes Mm
0: -hmm. cool (laughs) so hop wise so talk to us a little bit about hops that are selling so hops are another Mm -hmm. thing that have changed since Mm -hmm. i mean that's radically changing all the different Types of hops we can get. Mm-hmm. Gary was brewing with some sort of hop that's got some chocolate notes and things like that, which is Phoenix. interesting. Phoenix hops. Phoenix. Yeah, the Phoenix hops.
2: We don't have that one. Yeah, okay. so. Haven't tried it? sabro's
0: big. Really? It smells like, exactly. like cat letter, but. <laughs> um... Cat letters. You always want that out of a good hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <of> <laughs> What else? What other hops?
2: Um, Lotus is a new, good-sounding one. I haven't brewed with it, but Orange Vanilla Cream oh, sounds pretty fantastic. Really interesting! Yeah.
0: What's it apart? What's it a clone of? Because it's a hybrid uh, off maybe of. It's from
2: Hopsteiner. Hopsteiner. I'm not sure what it's a clone of though. We could look uh, it up. Do you guys, but, but, you guys do rhizomes? Are
0: you selling we do. rhizomes? We do. Do you really? Because yeah, so, rhizome seasons upon us, right? Uh, yeah. Almost. So get close. pre-orders
3: are going in now. Typically, yeah. you'll, we'll get them in the shop uh, end of February, beginning of April, depending upon the weather. Sweet. Uh, so if mm. it's nicer out a little bit earlier, if it's more wet a little bit later.
0: So when we say rhizomes, obviously those that want to grow hops, uh, not that I would ever do that because my wife would kill me. Say, <laughs> she would kill you. But come here to Main Brew because you can order your rhizomes and grow your own hops, which is awesome. It's something fun to do.
2: Super easy.
3: All the classics, none of the fancy cool guy hops. Oh, sweet. So. If you want Citra,
2: Mosaic, Simcoe, any of that you can't get unless you want to pay the bucks for it. Or, you know,
3: do some late night incursion into uh, a (laughs) a (laughs) field. Hope for the best. Not recommended. No. Yeah, similar to distilling, we do not make. Then.
0: <laughs> Bring bail money, but it's way fun, especially with a couple pints and you just run, yeah, buck naked across the hop field with oh, the right. Mission yeah. Impossible
3: yeah. music
2: going behind it's nope. it. A little for the your next words, couple days. Sir. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I've said a lot of weird, bad stuff. So, it's my podcast. So.
1: All
0: right, guys. Well, Gary, anything
1: you think of? New. No. All right. Nope. I think we covered uh, covered a lot of ground.
0: Cool. Well, uh, we will pause it here then. What? Actually. Thank you guys for the pod, uh, for the time and the Very beer good. and all that yeah, type cool. of stuff. Cheers. 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 And, uh Yeah, we'll do it. So, oh, that turned on. out well. Bam. So. All right, guys. <laughs> take care of 10 beers. Yeah, thank you. All right. Main Brew with Steven and John. Great guys. Fantastic
1: guys. Great guys. Treated us like kings. They did. Gave us a friends and family discount for dinner, which was fantastic. Beers inside the Tiki Hut. Yes, the tiki hat. That was a great place to do the interview. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. That was a. I'd never done a podcast inside of a tiki hat. Tiki hat. No,
1: that was great. Yeah.
0: Well, so uh, what did we do? Festival of Dark Arts. Oh
1: boy, did we! I
0: barely remember the thing. Really. No, I remember <laughs> all of it. Actually,
1: <laughs> I think there's only one person that might barely remember some of it. Debbie? No. No. Timothy? Yes. Yeah. He, he's got holes in his memory. He's yeah. got holes
0: all sorts of places. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, that, and that's from what the waitress did to him.
1: Oh, God. And then the cop. And then uh, the Burger King guy. And the or McDonald's or wherever it was we ate.
0: And the brewer's wife. And the gal that cut him off at the bar.
1: God, it was brutal.
0: The poor guy. He just can't get any breaks. No, he can't. You bring your mascot to a brew fest, and guess what happens? He gets out of control. They get mascotted. you got to whack him and say, bad little dog. Bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> get in your kennel. Get in your kennel.
0: Quit being a naughty doggy. Oh. Uh, well, so Festival of Dark Arts, blow your mind? Is it what you thought?
1: Um, I don't think it met the expectation of the hype that I had in my mind. Um, as far as all the nuances go, the uh, the beers definitely, as far as alcohol contents, met the, those expectations. Um, I think it was just the the general atmosphere that did not.
0: Yeah, I think it, uh, it was raining February 15th. We got into town about 10, 30, 11, uh, hung out at Astoria Brewing for a little bit. Didn't really need the first beers that we had, but we
1: invited <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then uh, walked over Tim not knowing if he was going to get a ticket.
1: Yeah, that was pretty funny.
0: Finally found his ticket. Yeah. We get in, and Gary's like, let's go. Let's get it on. We're going to tie the biggest beer in the planet on. Right off the bat. So right off the bat, we have a 15 percenter.
1: Dark Star Brewing. <laughs> Quarth. The Dark Raven, I believe, is what it was.
0: Quarth the Dark Raven, yes. Yeah,
1: 15.5.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the sad thing is that was the best in show for me for the rest of the night. <laughs> that beer tasted the best out of any beer I had for the rest of the night.
0: Really? Oh, yeah. The barrel-aged Quaff fantastic. the Raven RIS aged in Knob Creek whiskey <laughs> barrels and Superstition Meadery Amante barrels conditioned on Quarth. Coconut. Yeah. Fifteen point five percent.
1: And for a fifteen point five percent A B V beer, it was super, super smooth.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a good beer. So um uh, it was a good way to start the deal. I'm not sure that uh we need to go fifteen five, hit the thing out of the park right <laughs> off the bat, but
1: what the hell? Yeah, you know me, you go big then go home yep
0: so in that one i had uh ruse's brewing stages of the moon on Uh 11.5 imperial stout aged and bourbon cast condition on koala coffee chocolate coconut and vanilla vibes at 11.5 so anyways we could go through the list because i think we just about ran the table
1: i think we actually did which scares me
0: yeah and we had a lot of beers between yeah. the three of us, and really the four of us, counting David and some of the other guys we were hanging with, uh, ran into the guys at Room 122. Yes. Yeah,
1: we'd uh, tied it on pretty good up to that point when we went. We had. Um, we had gotten to the point where they had started pulling dark beers off and had started serving IPAs.
0: Right, right. Yep. Well, it was an event. Uh <laughs> Lots of stories that came out of that one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, belly dancers and fire dancers. Fire dancers, yeah. Yep. Um, the whole whips and chains lit on fire and all sorts of stuff going on that there. That's crazy to watch. Um, all sorts of bands. There was a bunch of bands.
1: There were. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We sat upstairs in that upstairs area and to that country folk
1: guy. Those were pretty good. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. By the, by the time I was at that point in the night, as far as being lit, uh, that music was perfect for that.
0: Did you uh, happen to check out the Straight Jacket guy? What is it, Seth Howard? Uh, I did not. Oh, so there was a Straight Jacket escape guy, um, but I never got a chance to see him either. Didn't see. Didn't even know about him on the showroom stage. Huh. And then uh, we saw that
1: one hard rocking band in the ruins. Yes. Yep. Pretty good. Yep, they were good.
0: Yeah, pretty good. So that,
1: that was the beginning of our cycle, I believe.
0: Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: all sorts of good stuff. So,
0: so you know what? We did it.
1: I'm not necessarily sure I need to go back next year. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I may go back in a couple,
0: and I may not.
1: Either that or go in the the day after to find out what's left over.
2: Yeah, or maybe you know, do a half-day
1: pass. Just test them.
0: They have those half-dayers, and I'm not no. so sure I wouldn't pull that bad boy off, and then and then you're right, have a little bit better breakfast and time the next day. But I'm not so sure I wouldn't try to try all the beers in a half day. So,
1: well, yeah, That's a good point. <laughs> you might try, and then you're even more wrecked than you were the time before. <laughs> Gotta go! Gotta, Gotta go. Get yeah, because we did have the dinner break in there. We did, and um, I think all of us can come to the same consensus that uh, we probably didn't even need to go back after dinner. <laughs> I did. (laughs) I don't know that we needed to. We were supposed to have a
0: nap, if you remember.
1: Yeah, we were supposed to, and uh, that never materialized. Because
0: the house was up a hill. Way up the hill. (laughs) It was close, but it was up
1: a hill. It was a big hill. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Well, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a concoction that you brought back (laughs) from, uh, I believe, Wickle in Bend. Um it happens to be a limited release from I believe it's what Sun River Brewing? There
0: it is, right in front of you.
1: Uh, next level hazy IPA. Um and I was kind of shocked when you told me how much you paid to pick a four pack up of this. I think it was five bucks.
0: Yeah, five bucks. Uh, we
1: talked about it with the uh, John and Steve there and Yeah. yeah um crazy. And I will say I'm not an IPA guy, but I'd pay five bucks for a four pack of this with no problem. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd pay five bucks for a lot of four packs. It's a, yeah, but this one's actually I would say this is worth more than five bucks. It's yeah. a good beer. Yeah, I think so. I think
0: it's definitely worth more than five bucks. It's a juicy, hazy IPA. A lot of juice to it. It a ton is. Of juice. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So. And, uh, yeah, it's nice and cold when I put it in the fridge. So, And, and
1: there's so a lot of IPAs that I've had these days have that real bitterness to them, and this one doesn't have that.
0: Right. Well, so uh, you had a coffee stout lately?
1: God, I probably have and just can't even recall. Well, we had a bunch of them at the um, Dark Arts. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I can't recall. <laughs> um...
0: You know what goes well with a coffee stout? Donuts. Donuts. Yeah. So let's uh, talk to Brian Yeager, the head of the Coffee, Beer, and Donut Festival. Yes. And uh, we will be back. All right. Well, it's Jason and Gary uh, from the Portland Timbers here live with Brian Yeager. Um, Hello. Who is (laughs) The guy that is in charge of what we call the Baker's Dozen Coffee, Beer, and Donut Festival. And we reached out to Brian a few weeks ago wanting to learn more about coffee, beer, and donuts. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So, talk to us about this uh, sixth annual. So, this is my very first year. I must have been... Locked away in a chest somewhere, but the sixth annual Baker's dozen Coffee, Beer, and Donut Festival. What is this thing? How did it start? What's the highlights on this?
4: Excellent. So it it has it, it occurs in Portland because it has very Portland
0: roots, which is
4: uh, obviously six years ago when the annual craft brewers conference, which is a conference for that the Brewers Association holds for people in the beer industry. Uh, usually just referred to as CBC, uh, it was. It moves around to a different American city, and that year it came to Portland. And I thought as long as the CBC is coming to my backyard, I want to have some sort of a, a party, you know, and obviously the whole uh, conference long is one large party, even when they're working, they're still drinking beer. So I thought, all right, it's got to be an event, uh, that celebrates Portland that has beer, But I was sort of thinking it was going to be at the end of the conference. It was going to be right before some of these people went to the airport. And I was just thinking, what do people do when they go to the airport? They grab that telltale pink box to fly home with. (laughs) Which is fine. Nothing, you know, voodoo is is all good donuts. But I didn't want them to think it was the only donut game in town. Imagine if we only had one brewery. We have a ton of breweries. (laughs) So... I thought I'm going to do something that takes some dive deeper into the donut scene. And as long as we're celebrating how many breweries we have, it's a little known fact that Portland is home to an equal number of independent roasters. So like we're called Beervana, but in a way we could be Coffee Vana or
3: Absolutely. Javavana
4: or something. <laughs> um, and so I basically said, I'm going to do this event. It, it has to be in the morning after all the other events have ended, but before they go to the airport. So we're going to do coffee beer and the coffee that is featured in the beer. So not only are there 13 breweries, there's 13 roasters. Mm-hmm. And then I pair it with a donut from 13 different shops. Uh, 13 just seem like a very manageable number. So that's how it earned the name Baker's Dozen.
0: Fantastic. Oh, nice. So, so I'm a i am have an eclectic set of hobbies. So I've uh, I roast coffee myself. I'm a home roaster. Buy beans from all the place, roast that. So I certainly appreciate this. Um, Gary on the other hand hates coffee. So I'm not sure how that's that's going to treat him. I love Gary. I
1: love the smell of it, but I just can't. I can't. The taste just kills me. The smell is amazing, but the taste is uh, no no bueno.
4: I mean, I used to kind of be in that boat. Uh, and it's interesting because I'm not going to try to, you know, guilt you out of it. I, I still love the smell of walking into a tobacco shop, but I would hate to smoke tobacco. So if right. you love the smell of coffee but hate the drink, uh, we we can agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, the military <laughs> couldn't
1: even get me to drink coffee, so I, it's a lost ah, cause. Yeah,
0: well, the military was black swill sitting in the bottom of a probably a Boyd's or a... A bun bin, right? So burning the it's bottle. It's true. You know, there's no is
4: to blame for the darkest period of American beer where the soldiers came home from the war efforts and said, we just want to drink, you know, the stuff that the breweries had shipped over to us to drink for free. So they <laughs> only wanted those brands. And right. I'm sure the same thing was similar to Folgers and Senka. And they come home and they don't care about good coffee. They just drink whatever was available and that's how we had our, our craft revolution in food and drinks.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So thirteen breweries. I'm looking at the list here. So uh, Barley Browns is sitting there. Uh, Great Notion, Little Beast, McMenamins, Modern Times, Pono Ribbon Brewing, Donny Brooks. So you got a, a very large, probably a well representative of the Northwest.
4: Um, Thank you. I, I tried. Obviously, it's predominantly yeah. Portland. But then I always, every year, it's almost. I don't want to say a formula, but I really tell myself, make them mostly Portland breweries, reach out to at least one other brewery from outside of Portland and one other brewery outside of the state. So we've had a pretty good group. Washington is usually the one brewery from out of state, but we've definitely had Oregon brewers north and south, uh, and now finally east.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Barley Brown's out there in Baker City, Again, really stamping their way with a uh, pallet jack, and um, you see that on a lot of the tap handles around here. So it'll be interesting to see what they bring um, to this festival. So, And then how are the coffees picked? Are they picking their local roasters and then brewing a, bring a beer with the coffee?
4: Yes, exactly.
0: And that is entirely
4: a collaborative effort, what they use and how they use it. Uh, You know, sometimes they reach out to the roaster that is closest to the brewery. Sometimes they might have a working relationship with the larger roaster already. But then the roast master and the brew master will get together and decide what the best coffee would be to use in that particular beer style. And furthermore, you know, are they going to add coffee grounds to the mash? Are they going to add, are they going to seep them in secondary? Are they going to add cold brew? all these sort of, you know, different styles and, and techniques and that's how the the real, you know, coffee beer collaboration comes together. Uh, and then I say at the event, you know, if you use cold brew, maybe pour cold brew. If you steeped a bag of uh, coffee beans, let's pour it hot. It's really to give you, like, when you're drinking the coffee beer, how do you really know what coffee went into it? This is a way to do a sort of horizontal tasting and and see how much you could pull from the coffee in that particular beer.
0: No, that's fantastic. I love the idea of being able to try the coffee there with it, side by side with the beer. And then also, who is hand-picking these donuts? So talk about yeah. pairing the donuts. I mean, the donut, donuts I do
1: say.
4: <laughs> I will mention, uh, obviously, the coffees and the beers go together, but I Steer clear of saying that a particular donut goes with a particular beer. I think when you okay. have something, you know, where you're just sort of hopping around from from one jockey box, one keg line, you know, to another. Uh, I don't. You don't have to go through a lot of work. This is a fun event. Uh, if you want to really geek out on it, you can. But if you just want to show up and drink some caffeinated beers and uh, devour a bunch of different delicious donuts, you don't have to go too deep with it. So it's it's a free-for-all as far as matching. Yeah,
0: we, te- we tend to overcomplicate things of beer snobs, right, or coffee snobs. Yes. This can be a very, very simple thing where I'm enjoying some coffee, some beer, and, of course, gouging or gorging on donuts there. So Exactly. Sweet. So um, so the the donut places, uh, again, a good healthy mix. I see Blue Star, Churros Locos. Nola donuts, which is fantastic. So imagine uh, they're bringing uh, beignets potentially.
4: Yeah, totally. Uh, no, no. Let me think. Maybe you know what I have Maybe. to admit. Maybe. <laughs> some of the emails that go back and forth, I haven't uh, committed to memory what they finally landed on, and some of them actually haven't landed on a particular donut yet.
0: So
1: now, are are the the donut shops randomly selected then each year, or is there a process to that as well?
4: Exactly. That is not by the brewers. That is me reaching out um, and have a pretty good track record as far as here's your invitation, and then they want to actually participate. Um, And sometimes I reach out to some unexpected people, Um, for example... Uh, The Churro's Loco truck has become a main say of the event. Some people might say a churro is not a donut, but I say it is, and they're happy to to say it is. Um, And last year we had an Indian restaurant bring uh, these – I'm drawing a blank on the name. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, But there's an Indian donut. Uh, huh. it's a fried ball of dough and it has honey and rose syrup, uh, and they had a huge hit with it. So anything mm. that is sort of fried doughy, you know, deliciousness, uh, gets to be a donut. Is that
0: gulab jamun?
4: Thank you. Thank you so yes. much. Yes. Now you can see why I
0: couldn't pull it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally, <laughs> exactly totally uncommon there. So, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Wow, that – again, it'll be interesting to see how some of that pairs. Are there purposely somebody – is? are some of the donut places trying to match or maybe collaborate with a beer? Do you see that Yes, happening? we
4: have had that. Uh, okay. And, again, I always encourage that. Uh, right. In fact, one of the bakeries I oh happy to call out that always does a good job is Ciccato Gelato on 28th. People think it's just oh. a gelato shop but uh, they make fantastic donuts from scratch. Wow. And he is always keen to find out who is participating, and he will figure out a way to get the coffee and the beer itself into the donut somehow.
0: Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah.
4: Wow, well, crazy. Well,
0: let's switch gears slightly. So um, talk to us a little bit about how you got involved with the festival. I know you've done quite a bit of writing. Um And so when we talk about all about beer, the magazine, um, you are... making you rest in peace. Yeah, you were featured over and over and over in the archives there as we pull that up. Um, But you also are an author of two books um, on beer, um, which are fascinating reads as well. So how did you get involved in this beer thing? How did you get into beer writing? Um, And what are you currently... What's in the works? I will
4: happily start from the beginning, and hopefully not bored the listeners by racing through the timeline, but I had already thought of myself as a writer, so I came to this from the writing side, not the beer side. But while I was actually in graduate school, earning a degree that is not a common degree, but it's an MPWA, Master of Professional Writing, where the emphasis isn't necessarily on creating amazing synonyms, but actually writing as your profession.
1: and So like grants and stuff?
4: Uh, well, yes, obviously a lot of them go into grant writing, technical writing. Uh, but even if you are more interested in nonfiction or fiction or poetry even, uh, how do you make a living being a writer? Got it. And so, you know, I thought that's sort of more important to learn than your own style. I sort of thought you, you have one or you don't, obviously not to say that a great professor can't bring something, you know, coax something magical out of you. But for me, it was, I was in this program, professional writing, making writing my profession. And it was a pretty short blip of divine intervention where I was sitting in a room listening to everyone else's ideas for their thesis which was their work of publishable quality and I thought oh, there's a lot of memoirs going on there <laughs> and I thought who are you people? Why are you, know, why are you so interesting that someone wants to read your memoir? You really haven't done anything yet. I thought we should be reading about other people And by the time they, you know, got to me and they said, all right, Brian, stand up and tell us what your thesis is about, I just started talking. And it came out, all the stuff about, I'm going to drive around the country interviewing brewery owners and understanding their place in the industry and how the industry shaped America, like sort of looking at America through this prism of brewing. And it wasn't necessarily that I needed it to be about craft brewing, but it was just about beer. And basically, it was one of those sort of -of out-of-body moments where I didn't really hear what I was saying, but afterwards, everyone came up and said, that's great, that's amazing, I would absolutely read that. And then they kind of reminded me what I had said. Um, (laughs) And then I figured, well, great, now I've said it out loud, now I have to do it, which I think is a great lesson for everybody, if there is something, not to get on the soapbox, but give me one half a minute here, if there's something you want to do and you think, ah, I'm going to check it out, who am I? I'm not able to do that. Why would anyone let me do that? Say it out loud. Tell your friends, tell your family, post it on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Say it, you're going to do it, and now you are going to be held accountable and you will find you can achieve it. And so it was truly to jump from there back to this story, I started contacting brewery owners around the country. Um, and the book I will mention came out in the year 2008, the first book I wrote, uh, which was called Red, White, and Brew, which is my thesis. Uh, and I like to say I passed oh. because they said it has to be a work of publishable quality. And I said, hey, guess what? I got a book deal. <laughs> Which does not happen that quickly, but it it did. So, Fantastic. divine inspiration. Um, and all I have to say, I I I knew at the time, and I mentioned the year two thousand eight because that's a very different time than the year two thousand twenty. Today, we have roughly eight thousand breweries around America. Right. right, that's a lot. In two thousand. Five two 2006, when I started actually working on that book and that thesis, there were 1,400, 1,400. It's a lot fewer than we have now. But totally. even that is a crap load. So I said, well, obviously, I'm not going to get to all 1,400. What if I set out to, I don't know, really take a deep dive into 1% of them? And so I... I basically cut the country up into 14 regions and found the brewery that I wanted to have represent that part of the country, and they brought something different to the table. Some of them are old, some of them are new, You know, some of them were pretty big, some of them were small brew pubs, just covering every facet of the brewing industry and using them to sort of tell the larger story.
0: Yeah, I mean, fascinating uh, book in that you you divided the country up into different uh, areas there. Um, But the thing I guess I appreciate about your writing is the narrative style that you tell things in. So you're telling it using that narrative style and really taking people along for that journey where I feel like there's a lot of stories about how these breweries, the how the brewers themselves, um, actually make their stamp within their cities and and started into the business and have become these icons within the brewing industry um, or are wanting to become icons in the brewing industry. And you kind of take the readers through that with your style of writing. So,
4: Thank you. I greatly appreciate hmm. that. Uh, my take was never I'm going to write about beer by being the – nerdiest, you know, sciencey geek, and I'm not going to write flowery reviews of beers. I was really interested in telling the stories of those people, and I, I kind of have often described it as a beer book that's not about beer. Right. And I think that has that had really helped it find an audience. Um, and through that, I guess to kind of get to to the second part of your original question, how did that lead to a career, it it was on a book tour. It was basically me driving around the country, promoting a book at beer bars and breweries that was written about me driving around the country, visiting breweries. (laughs) (laughs) So it was quite meta and fun. And along the way, a couple different editors that you mentioned all about beer. Um, At the time uh, it was published by Daniel, and Julie Bradford, and they came to a book signing I had done in Durham, North Carolina, which is where they were based out of, and they said, nice book. You want to write for us? Fantastic. And it was just one really, really fortuitous uh, step after another. Um, So obviously, uh, like I said, rest in peace, all about beer. There were several uh published you know hard magazines out there about the beer industry and they've mostly kind of dried up because mm-hmm. the publishing industry is hurting
0: yeah and really the, the ones that exist are like Sim, Zimmergy and some of those that are more more focused on the homebrew side and are of course yes. attached to the homebrewers association Um, But you're right. I do
4: love when I get to write for them. Uh, When I find a story that is homebrew related, um, I just think, you know, their audience is, is the best. The homebrewing community has always been at the very heart of the craft beer revolution. And I aspire to write more about homebrewers because they're usually very interesting and compelling stories, even if they don't have the success they they didn't start you know the billion dollar brewery but their stories are awesome and their beers are every bit as good as or better uh, as something that you would find commercially and even though there's some less than great homebrew out there one you have to get through that to discover how good you could be and sometimes there's less great commercial brew too so uh I'm always happy to to hang out with the homebrewers and and drink their stuff and talk both about the beer and, and their own sort of, you know,
0: fun stories. Sweet. So, well, book two is Oregon breweries. Um, yes. and you're walking people through the Oregon breweries, everything from Astoria and then all around the state. Um, what were some of the things that you took away from that? Some of the, maybe give a couple of stories that you took away from the writing of that book.
4: One, I never should have agreed to write a book about every brewery in the state of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> it took me years because the series had actually started on the east coast and guess what Maine breweries new jersey breweries you know those are small states with a small right. brewery population at the time especially so then they decided oh let's cover the west coast and i I got contacted about Oregon, and I know Jay Brooks got contacted about California, and he wisely said, you can't do the whole state. You have to do northern and southern. But we still ended up writing, you know, other people had dozens of breweries. We had hundreds. So every few months, when I thought I was done, 12 more breweries had opened. Right. We had to go on another <laughs> trip to central Oregon. Eastern Oregon, and so the 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 fun part the way awesome part was it made me explore all of Oregon. you know what I mean, like I really okay. had to get out there and go to um obviously or just earlier when we were talking about Barley Browns that's how I met Tyler Brown was going out to Baker City yeah. to interview him in person at his brewery because. I couldn't feel right with myself if I had sent him an email from Portland or called him and talked to him for 10 minutes and found out, you know, the straight who, what, why, where, when. I wanted to go visit the places, drink the beer, shake the hands of the brewers and the owners and still try to cram as much of their human story into the one or two or three pages that they ended up getting because there were, at the time, get this, just like I mentioned 8,000 breweries, you know, in 2014, or sorry, 2008 versus the 8,000 we have now, 8,000 now, 1,400 then. When I finished that book in late 2013, and it was published at the beginning of 2014, there were only... 192 breweries. And now Oregon has about 250, 260. Right. You know, it kept, and it doesn't even take into account
0: how many had closed since right. then. Right. The contractor is interesting, right? So the growth is one thing, but again, it's that whole balance of how much can the, how much can we support and, and, and how much beer is too, until you hit too much beer and And it's interesting to see as you're telling those stories and documenting those stories, which I think is the important piece, um, not all of these breweries are going to be around in the next decade. Bridgeport is a perfect example of that. Uh, I hope that somebody was there documenting, again, from the early founders, um, again, the story of Bridgeport with Dick Ponzi and some of those guys, of what it was like to open that up before those stories are gone.
4: Certainly. I will recommend. There's a really good book. I think it's just called Portland Beer by I can picture by Pete Dunlop. Uh, and he wrote about Portland Beer, not just starting with uh, Bridgeport and Widmer in 1984, but really all the way back to Saxer and Weinhardt and Blitz and, and the, the early ones. And he sort of ends with that Ponzi story. Right. Uh, but that's a really good deep dive into how that came about. Even in Red, White, and Brew, in my book, uh, where I had selected the Whitmer Brothers to represent the Northwest, uh, this was before they had, it was before they completely sold (laughs) Sanheuser-Busch, but after they had done their, you know, one-third distribution deal. And I thought, you know, there's so many breweries that you could pick around Washington and Oregon but being right there at the beginning and seeing it grow and I just thought it was a great through way to get from the very beginning of of craft beer in Portland to the modern era Um, and so you, you really learn about the early days of the Widmer Brothers it's not just about um, you know, when they became Timbers and, and Blazers sponsors. It it's, right. was really the early days of, of how they formed the brewery and what struggles
0: they went through. Yeah, one of the guys that we have on each summer during the Oregon Brew Fest is Art Lawrence. Um, yes. Again, and and yeah, and the stories that Art can tell and the people that he knows and, and of course, how important he is to Oregon Brewing Curtin um, the mm-hmm. robber that way Brian McMenamin and you go around it's just uh, all of these stories part of the podcast this podcast was formed to help capture some of the stories as Absolutely. we go because so 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 important that I think um, these foundational people in the Oregon Bruce scene that are we capture the stories so that people can remember where we came from so
4: have you happened to have had Dick Ponzi or Carl Oakert on the show?
0: Yeah, not yet, no. So we're uh,
4: well, aiming Dick for Dick do it, but But Carl will. He would be a oh, fantastic no. person to get in touch with. And if you need help, <laughs> I could do that. Um, for sure. He, I mean, he was there. He was there from the beginning. So the stories that he could tell at, about starting Bridgeport are remarkable. Absolutely, yeah. And well, of course, he probably has a pretty interesting take on its demise, too. Right, absolutely, right. I'd love to hear that story. So,
0: right, um, yeah. <laughs> Let's recap uh, on the donut, uh, on the dozen, uh, Baker's dozen coffee, beer, and donut festival. So, March twenty second, ten o'clock to two at the White Isle Social Club. Isn't take that a
4: great? Available. A beer festival that starts at ten in the morning and it ends by two, so you have your whole afternoon to go take a nap and then do something after that.
0: It's the confusion in the body with the alcohol and the coffee I like, am I is. caffeinated? Am I beer? Like, what's going on here? But yeah, no, absolutely perfect time. Yeah, you get all three. <laughs> so White Owl Social Club, so East Side, what is that? Southeast Eighth, roughly. Yes, south
4: southeast, southeast eighth uh, at Maine. It is uh, in the Buckman neighborhood, and okay. it has moved around a few uh, every bit a few years. But what I'm really excited about this venue is. It has a covered tent. Believe it or not, even though it's always been in March, it has never poured during the festival. Oh my and goodness. I feel like after five years of good weather in March, my luck had to have run out. So I had to find a place that had covered, covering. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tickets are still for sale. Um, yes. Right? Okay. So, so generalization cost. perfect.
4: That, yeah, it's thirty-five bucks, and that includes everything. There's no, you know, here's your first five beers, and then you have to buy a another it. ticket for another one. It's all thirteen, coffee beers. It's all the coffee if you so choose, and it's all the donuts. And we have a little so oh, wow. where we make sure you get one sample of everything, but it's all steal.
0: included.
4: Cool. And then for fifty-five
0: bucks, I can get the shirt.
4: Yeah, Yeah. you know what, I I did it that way because I have always made shirts. And there's always like a dozen or so people who say, awesome shirt, I want to buy it. And I said, oh, I I just made them for the volunteers. So I thought, all right, literally for the first time, I said, I'm going to create a ticket, and that way I'll know how many to order. But at the same time, I don't want to make a ton. So if a dozen people ask, I'm making... 20 extra shirts it's I think the design is up there it says really cool Kelly green uh, and the donuts and the coffee and all the artwork on there uh, they're going to have it's going to be gold sweet so I just feel like I spent a little more I'm excited about it hopefully people will enjoy wearing it it's it's an art shirt it's not like a big promo for the festa or anything it has it in very tiny letters
0: no, it's definitely kind of a cool shirt. There, lots of donuts running down the left side, some cool font, But like you said, it's more of a more of a piece of art than some sort of brewery festival festival uh, advertising. So
4: that's a shout yeah. out to Grace Jensen, my my art director, whose uh, whose art is so awesome. I use her for all my posters.
0: Fantastic! Well, so she does do a nice job.
4: Dozen, I do an uh, an event in June called Creek Fest which is all it's creeks. It's K R I E K sour cherry beers from around Oregon, from around Belgium. I managed to get some stuff in that just isn't even available in Oregon otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done other ones, but, uh, those are the two that I pretty much focus on now.
0: Well, fantastic, man. Well, I, we appreciate your time and, uh, Again, we want the listeners to check out the sixth annual Baker's Dozen Coffee, Beer, and Donut Festival Sunday, March twenty-second, from ten to two. Tickets on sale, thirty-five bucks. You can check out uh, Brian and his festival on Facebook at Baker's Dozen PDX or Instagram at Baker's Dozen PDX, um, and check for tickets online. So, Brian, thank you so much for your time, and I'm hoping that we can connect in the future Um the we'll chat about beer. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right, man. Well, take care, and uh, we'll connect with you later.
4: Awesome! Cheers, guys. Cheers.
0: That was Brian Yeager with the Baker's Dozen Coffee, Beer, and Donut Festival.
1: Six so, years.
0: Six years, dude. Who would have thunk?
1: It's like you. I've been in the closet or something because I've heard nothing of it until now.
0: No, I was in the chest. You were in the closet. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I'm
1: going to shut that shit down right now. <laughs>
0: I got a picture to prove it. You no, it? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> Sunday, March 22nd, 10 a.m., 2 p.m. Uh, at the White Isle Social Club. Huge thanks to Brian. I uh, you know it was a uh, big deal to come on that night. I uh, had to yes. move some stuff around. so Yeah, we, greatly appreciate it. Yep, hugely appreciate it. Um so I'm going to check this thing out, drink some coffee, beers and uh eat some donuts.
1: That's the part I was liking right there, just eating the donuts part. Yeah, I'm digging donuts. I like donuts. Not supposed to eat donuts, but I like donuts. Yeah, I I like
0: the whole <laughs> No, donut holes are my favorite part of the donuts,
1: dude. Of course they are.
0: <laughs> what are you saying?
1: No, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm keeping it clean. What are you not saying? Nope. Fish on. <laughs> All
0: right, buddy. Well, um, we got a bunch of interviews planned for the next several weeks. We do. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be working on an interview.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we bought um, a, this deck a,
0: of cards. A
1: big interview. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Oregon Trail or Oregon Beer Trail cards. Again, these are hand-illustrated cards by Aaron
1: Yornoff. Beautiful deck of cards.
0: Yeah. yeah. Aaron Yornoff Trotter. How about that? There's two words, two last Ooh, names
1: here. hyphenator. Yeah.
0: So I've got the, uh, I've got number five. Oh, you drew number already. Five. No, I've got pack number
1: five oh, pack number yeah. five
0: of his set of his hand illustrated
1: cards okay then yeah isn't that nice that is very nice okay. so here i got this great deck of cards fanned out in front of me here you want me to touch your deck uh no i just want you to pick a card <laughs> i don't want you to do anything with my deck
0: all right <laughs> why do you want me to pick that card
1: Hey, you just pick whatever you want.
0: So for the listeners, um, we got this deck of cards. They've got breweries all over the state. And um, so Gary picks a card. He picked a card last week. He drew Pelican. Pelican, baby. Supposed to be setting up an interview there. We're going to road trip. Go check those guys out again. Yeah. Irony is that we interviewed them last summer and had a Blast! That was a blast. So I'm actually, um, I've got That's skis blast. now. I'm working on ski Ooh, boots.
1: Ooh, you got the skis for the sand skiing. Yeah, I've
0: decided my Rosie twin tips, my yeah. little light ones, yeah. are going to be the skis. Nice. Because I don't ever I don't ski in them. Cameron's not going to ski in them. And uh, they're just done. Got so it. now I need to come up with some boots. I just need a pair of boots. Yep. I got to go find some, yeah. some cheap boots. hey yeah. So. yeah. All right, so, and then I'm drawn this week. I'm going to hook up an interview at this brewery. Uh, These cards are, again, uh, illustrations, and so you've got to figure out what they are.
1: Based off the illustration.
0: And I'm seeing beer will change the world. I don't know how, but it will. And it's like two-something brewing... That's really not helping.
1: Here. What do you (laughs) think? Let me see that.
0: What do you think? I don't think we can actually go there. What the... You know what that is?
1: It's closed, isn't it? Two kilts. Yeah, that's two kilts. That's two kilts brewing.
0: I can't go there. We're done. What the... Two Kills Brewing. Yeah, man. Sherwood, Oregon. Yeah, and we did. Shut its doors.
1: I think we did an interview, a podcast with that guy. Yeah, we did. And they shut their doors down like a couple weeks later. Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. Yep. So you better draw another card. That's too bad.
0: All right. Ten of spades. What do we got? Waltz. And we've been trying to check these guys out. So Waltz Brewing out of Force Grove. Force Grove. Waltz Brewing. We're coming at you.
1: We're coming for you, Waltz. We want
0: to try your brews. That's nice that we got a nice close one. So. Yeah, that is very nice. Cool. Well, I will uh, keep that over here. You got the two kilts one?
1: I do. I'll give that back to you so it's out of the deck.
0: So next week we have, uh, or this, I guess this week we'll record. Yeah. Um, we've got an interview coming up. Why don't you tell the kids what we got coming
1: up? Well, kids, uh, on the next episode... We've got a a great interview coming up with all three owners of the Hops on Tap uh, Tap House out in King City. Um, And they've been gracious enough to have us come out to the Tap House to do that interview. So uh, really looking forward to that.
0: That's Um, huge. That's a good interview. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Because we've talked to two of the... Uh, founders of that, that tap house when we went and talked to uh, Cooper Mountain. Uh, they were doing a collab that day with Hops on Tap. So we've, we've already kind of gotten some familiar uh, familiarity with them, but uh, the beauty of it is, is we're actually going to have that third partner in there. Um, so we'll, we'll really get to hear uh, the full story on it.
0: Huh, that is, I think it's going to be a good time. The uh, State of Oregon's Wicklemania was last weekend, and I spent the weekend bend. And this ties in because we have an interview with John Van Duzer of Boneyard. Um, that Boneyard. I was, that he graciously allowed yeah. uh, some time in the middle of a bitle, busy Zwickle day. Um, and so, yeah, we sat with him for about 10 minutes 15 minutes so it'll be interesting to get his take on homebrewing homebrewing shops brewing making the jump from brewing in five gallon batches up to commercial commercial size so so pretty good interview um and so we'll have hops on tap and Boneyard
1: boneyard with john so yeah my last memory of boneyard was your birthday
0: yeah, that was a shit show. <laughs> Iron too. fist. We actually talked about that on the on the interview. <laughs> we talked about the uh, belly stamp. Yeah. <laughs> off of winning the Shot ski, So Oh, yeah. I thought I was the only one to ever win the Shot ski. He told me I was not.
1: Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah.
0: I just thought it was a thing. I thought I won the Shotsky. <laughs> you were the dude. It's like the gold medal. I thought I got my <laughs> name on the place, and that's how I remembered it. <laughs> It's like no, nope. happens ten thousand times a day. Great. So, all right. Um, I think that's all I got, buddy. So, yeah, i have had a uh, active couple weeks.
1: Oh, you're kidding me? Ah, uh, no. Yeah. I don't know. I know how you're going.
0: Summer like Soccer getting ready to start again. Yeah,
1: that should be starting up around March 8-ish.
0: Yep, March 8-ish. Yeah. 8-ish?
1: Yeah, I March 8th, whenever. There it is. Uh, wh- whenever the uh, clocks spring forward. There it is. That's when we'll start.
0: All right. We'll look for the uh, next podcast in about a week. And uh, with that, I guess we'll close this bad boy out.
1: Oh, yeah. Beers. Uh, Tim Beers. Tim Beers. <laughs>